We laugh. We cry. We learn. But really, what doesn't kill you makes you better at managing clients and everyone. I'm Morgan Friedman, and this is Client Horror Stories. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Client Horror Stories. And I'm honored today to have as my guest, Roger Perrin. And I have no idea what story he's wanting to tell me, but I'm excited to jump in. How are you doing, Roger? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm I'm a pretty good having a tea, not a whiskey tonight. But you've built up the excitement for the mystery story that, that we're going to talk <laughs> about. And I'm sure you've had a lot of uh, crazy clients. Anyone that's run a significant client service business like you has. So let's uh let let let's go. What uh, what happened to you, Roger? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this story is is interesting because I think it dives a little bit into morality, which is it's there's some gray area that I want to bounce thoughts off of you with, but um. You know the we'll diving in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so the the story I kind of thought of was, you know, my um my business partner had a, a friend. We'll just you know uh, leave names out of it and whatnot. Um, but a a friend that uh, he you know was looking for a job at uh, at possibly a digital position, and we. Uh, guy was miserable, you know, like at his job, working at a huge agency, absolutely miserable, had kids, couldn't spend time with his kids. He was working 70, 80 hours a week. Um, had an interview with us almost in practical tears because he was just, you know, he needed to get out of that lifestyle. And we offer, you know, super flexible lifestyle. But, you know, he came from this big agency and we were like, to be honest, we probably can't afford you, but we can try to get close. And we ended up making this uh, an offer, and it didn't didn't end up working out because he was just like, I can't take any sort of pay cut. It is what it is. People scale their their lives up right to their income levels, especially in America. And uh, welcome to life in twenty twenty one. Yeah, right. And so the the next step was we had a client whose marketing department was fired, and we were doing good work with them. Before we get to the, the, the yep. client, let's analyze just what you said for, uh, okay. for, for a moment. Knowing nothing other than he's like really, really overwhelmed by the job, that already feels like a little bit of a yellow flag to me because it like if you're really overwhelmed by stuff, I interpret that to mean you're probably doing something wrong. Like life is overwhelming. You have to make really hard choices and be like, like if your boss, or your company is doing too much, you have to know, know to, to push back and so on. So it's, uh, so it's, uh, it's already sounding like he didn't, he didn't quite have everything together. Yeah. And I think that was the, the less part of the lesson learned by us, many lessons learned by us through this process mm-hmm. for sure. But one of the lessons was, you know, that's definitely a flag for someone who uh, has more of an inability to delegate, right? Because they just take on so much of the work and they, you know, can't put that team together. Um, for sure. So, yeah. And then, and then on top of that, uh, you know, just sort of goes to speak to, 
that uh, so many people focus just on the the base salary number without realizing yes. that their quality of life is just oh, atrocious yeah. and sometimes which is it's just not worth it sometimes you know just chasing well, but, every dollar great points and we're, we're going to get into uh, the next every second i just want to observe what's interesting about both of these is these are the sorts of things you only learn with experience a version of me 15 years younger wouldn't like i would have seen oh wow he's like overworked by his boss wow that's a bad boss well now i say okay no Maybe it's a bad boss, maybe not, who knows? But it but that means he definitely hasn't learned the key skills of delegation and pushing back. So 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 we get better at, at sensing these yellow flags. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and your perception changes as you get as you go That's into right. different things. I always say that um, you know, it was like once I had kids, it was like, oh now I get it. I see other parents going through like a fussy baby, and I'm like, I, I like, I just feel so bad for them. Cause I'm like, I've been there. I know how, yeah. t- how tough that is. You know, like a baby crying on an airplane or something. It's not annoying. It's like, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Cause it's a nightmare. And so it's like you, it's the same when you go from being an employee to now being an owner and having different perspectives of these things, Totally. you know, for sure. So, okay. Love it. So that's, so, okay. So that's the context. Then there's this client. So the, so this guy is actually part of the client, uh, and that, that's how this it all relates. It's all I see. It all relates I see. together. So uh, we had a client who then left the you know fired their marketing team, whatever, and um, they were looking for you know help. So we introed this guy to that client and said, "Hey, X guy, think he'd be a good fit. We know he works his butt off." You know what? Uh, would you guys be interested in hiring this guy that we had even made an offer for? And our thought was we had really big problems with this client where they were really hands off, and that was nice. But we had no access to their backend data. We couldn't lead lead generation client, and we we just couldn't determine like any differentiation between the leads we were driving. So we didn't know if the leads we were driving were great or terrible. And so we're just driving leads at the cheapest cost per lead without an understanding of really their business and they just wouldn't get us that information. So the thought was take somebody we know and trust and see if we can get them into that company. And then we can have this awesome working relationship where everybody wins, right? This guy gets a new job, a high paying job. We get scale out of a client and we share in that upside and the client gets a much better, you know, marketing department and, Mm -hmm. you know, experience from their marketing team. So, you know, Logically, it seemed to make sense, right? So, sounds guess, like a win-win-win. Yeah, and and he got the job, and so you know he took over the the marketing department. We were super excited, you know, and um, to scale them. And then you know, within the first couple months, like the the promises of you know like explosions in budget and all that started flowing in, and those were starting to throw some red flags. Like, are you sure that you can? You've just only been there a month. Are you sure that you can blow up budget from 70K to a month to 400K a month? And they're going to be okay with that, <laughs> you know? And and then the, um, the backend data started to come in. So now is the first time that we got visibility. And we were super excited because now we understand. Wait, just, just to be clear, he yeah. started blowing up the budget from 70 to 400 before you started being able to evaluate the quality. Exactly. 
And so, so that, we, that, in, in, in retrospect, that's another red flag. Yes. So the, <laughs> the red flags piled up very quickly. In very, very quickly. And so we, um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, got access to the backend data and we were like, this is amazing. And then we were able to analyze the business on a much deeper level. And so we looked into like the, the different qualities of leads where they're dropping off, like, uh, brought in an analytics agency to help us with, uh, like more advanced analytics now that we had access to things. And, uh, and then we um, really started blowing things up. Performance was like really exciting. And then the management style of this person started to come into play where uh, he had basically his own idea. Yeah. I think you called it, you've called it the know-it-all founder, but. The know-it-all founder. <laughs> we were recently yeah. discussing that. Yep. Yeah. So that, you know, uh, he, we had everything set up on a, a target CPA model. Hey, hold on, hold on. I want yep. to just want to point out, we spoke the other day about the know-it-all founder, but he's not a founder. He's an employee. The know-it-all employee is even worse because yes. the know-it-all founder, like it's your baby. You've been there since you birthed it. You know, every little thing, it's famously hard for owners to give up. So I kind of understand the know-it-all founder, but the know-it-all employee, it's like, it's like, it's your job and you come in and think, you know, better than, other people where it's their job as well. Like it's, uh, so it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a stronger worth variation. Yeah, it is. It was a, it was terrible, <laughs> but uh, so, so then basically he wanted to switch everything over to manual CPC bidding. And, and we mentioned because of the way this market is like manual CPC is good in certain circumstances. And I don't want to like say that there aren't certain ways or times at which you should use manual CPC. But, um, you know, we were using target, target CPA, having success, and he wanted to use manual CPC and, and having come from another, you know, uh, PPC background another PPC agency, you know, I think, uh, had his own way of doing things basically. And so, um, we, we pretty much pretty passionately said that that's just not the best move. Here's why. But if you really insist at the end of the day, like we can try it. And, yep. And uh, so he insisted, <laughs> we ran it, CPAs tripled, the account like literally blew up. And um, and sure enough, we switched everything back to target CPA, um, fixed the account, and things were going good uh, performance-wise. Question. So this period where it blew up and then he went back, where he was totally in the wrong, did he admit it? Did he, did he apologize? Dude, you guys were right, or was he one of these people that that always that always had an excuse and actually thought he was right? He actually admitted it, and that's that's, that's what that's what makes this story so egregious. By the end, is the fact that he did admit it, and then later on, like almost goes back on that and forces it down Ooh. our throats anyway. As so, predicting predicting what would happen. The reason why I asked is I is when people mess up whether they own it or not is on one level, a really minor little detail, but it's the sort of detail I always take out of proportion. Like everyone messes up because, you know, humans are humans and humans make mistakes, but whether you own it or not is, is the sign of the sort of professional that, that I would like to want to work with. Yep. Yeah. And I think at that point it was like, okay, he learned his lesson. We thought it'd be right. better, but then, okay. um, yeah, we you know we thought like okay maybe maybe he just needed to learn that lesson, but then yes. all of a sudden, 
this insane amount of management came in place where he's like, I want, I want Slack access. I want to be, um, there was like a pretty much an hour time limit. Like if we didn't respond within an hour, he would start following up. And I'm talking like a hundred Slack messages a day, like came into our Slack and just destroyed like everything <laughs> and was, was like, just saying like, well, now I'm spending this, you know, now that as we scaled, it was like, just, it turned into this, this like crazy, like, you know, I need, basically he, he wanted someone who was like at his beck and call all day. Right, right, right. And we were like, that's just not how we operate. And look, look, we have a process that works. We're going to drive your results. We're super responsive. You know, like the average response time for an email for us is like, 35 minutes, which is insane. And, you know, but so it blew up our Slack. And then um, we started trying different account leads, you know, like saying like, oh, maybe, maybe this person just isn't jiving well with him, you know? Um, and then we, you know, we, we ended up cycling through four different people over the summer. And oh, wait, hold, hold on. I, yeah, let's, let's go back for one second. This is, this is a great story. I'm already excited to see, uh, to see where it goes. Let's talk about for a moment about him coming in and and mi- and micromanaging. So, um, so first, th- it seems like that was a direct result of him having made that mistake. Where uh, is like like? Do you think that's what happens psych- psychologically? I'm trying to to model his mind at, mm. at this point to to uh, to get into his shoes. So he like he made this huge mistake. He realized he was wrong, but then said. Dude, I need to like really see and know what's happening and follow them at at, at, at every little detail. Is, that, what, is I, that what you I, think was happening? I think so. And the, the 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 backstory to that is, I think that leadership at that company mm-hmm. was was putting him under such incredible yeah. pressure that they were essentially telling him, you know, performance is bad, right? Like you got to get involved, you yeah. got to turn this around. Yeah. And so he was under this enormous pressure. Because of the mistake he made, yes, right? Exactly. And 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 now we were recovering performance, um, and I, I won't expand as to why. But the but the uh, the market was as rich as it was probably ever going to be, like right, in right. history. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and so it was like they felt like they were losing. I think leadership felt like they were losing like this golden opportunity, um, and so uh, I guess. What ended up happening, like uh, as as we got through the summer, we get to, you know, whatever the the yeah the fall time, and we um we start working. Anyway, and, and 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 wait, I, I interrupted you a moment ago. And how what? many account leads did you cycle through with him? Four, four. Okay, so Including, that, that until it got to me, and then the, and then I was I was the one managing it. Which is it, it? Literally got to me interfacing with him because it got so insane. Wow! And I, I, I didn't okay. want my staff I'm, to deal with that. You know, I I don't even need to say out loud of like the huge red flag that is because <laughs> yeah. at, at this point you're like painting yourself red. <laughs> yeah, I, it's so bad. It was so bad. Um, and and so you know that was kind of like the last ditch effort. Is is like, yo, team, let me jump in. I'll be, you know, like, let me see if I can just, you know, gain this guy's trust because it just seems like no matter what we do, there's just never going to be any winning this guy. And so 
in the meantime, he hires two PPC people. And, and then mentions how he uh, understands that um, he's, he needs to let the experts do the work. So we're like, oh, with the, with, the, with the arrival of these other people, maybe they'll be more understanding, easygoing, whatever. But he essentially hired two more people that do exactly what he do, and it just doubled the amount of micromanagement. And he, they asked for like four different Slack channels and just like it exponentially increased like what was the problem that was already happening. And during this time, I will say like we went to him and said, we need like three things. I think it was, we need better landing pages because our quality scores are absolute garbage for the landing page perspective. We're getting three out of tens in a highly competitive market. And every single thing is like click through rate and, uh, you know, ad relevance are great landing page experience below average on every single ad. And we gave them mock-ups of exactly what we wanted, even though that's like way outside our scope, told them like exactly the types of pages, the language you wanted to use. Our SEO team reviewed them to try and see if we can get better landing page experience scores by optimizing them per se. Um, went like all the way down that line to do that. And then the other issue was that the backend data wasn't aligning with what was getting imported into Google ads. So we needed, those are the two problems that we can't fix as, as digital position because we don't, we're not your developers. We don't, we didn't have access to like their code base to be able to diagnose these things. And so, um, so those two requests got completely ignored and, and, and instead on, on a day-to-day -day basis, it was, can we change the bid on this keyword? Can we pause this ad? We need to move this bid up 20%. We need to, I mean, like on a, every single lever in AdWords, they were going through basically being the PPC managers and then just telling us which changes to make in the account. It was wild. So with, in my experience, when people micromanage at the, that level, that means they want to fire you. So, yes. or yeah. And, like, and, 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 and in my opinion, it, when people micromanage generally, it's either because they're, I wrote about this uh, at some point, but it's either because they're like afraid or they're, they're, they they don't trust you or they don't trust anybody or they um, there's like another, there's a, another couple things that I mentioned about like what the root causes of micromanagement are, but it's, you know, it's super toxic no matter what. But yeah, I think at this point it was like, it was kind of evident that this person wanted it to be his show, his show. no matter what. And um, so it seems like basically there was tons of ego there. And so, Go ahead. And and also he he clearly wanted to fire you, but because he couldn't fire you because it's because of you that 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 he got the job. Instead, he made he made the situation so uh, so unbearable for you that mm -hmm. uh, that that it put, it put you in that position. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And then the so so the the relationship kind of came to this like peak disaster when in. At, at in like a at the end of the summer September October whatever and then in at the end of October getting into like you know Q4 um, <laughs> he goes in and he says on on a Friday afternoon says guys I, I want to import a bunch of conversions to to like try something and 
you know, it was like Friday at like 7 p.m., like late. And nobody responded. And then like I'm so 15, scared. 15 minutes later, if, without telling us, but without us even saying anything or waiting for our feedback, he imports like thousands of duplicate conversions historically and completely destroys the account for months. Like, because <laughs> you can't undo an import like that. Right, right, you can't undo an import. A manual import. So he manually imported thousands of leads. Like that threw off the, the so basically the target CPA bidding now thought there was like double the leads. And so right, right, right. Over, the, over the weekend, spend blew up. The next weekend, we came, next Monday, we came in like, what the heck did you do to the account? And like spend had tripled and, and, and it was just like a complete disaster. And so we spent November and December basically in an emergency situation trying to recover like tons of hours on our end, just pouring hours into trying to fix this guy's mistake. And at the end of the year, he says to us, shows us a chart of when the CPA got destroyed and, and us like slowly recovering it saying, Hey guys, I understand now that like, that was like how much of an impact that had. Cause it was like, it was like two months of like really denial that like, Oh, it's not a big deal. <laughs> and so, <laughs> at least he admitted it. At least he admitted it eventually <laughs> better than never admitting it. Yep. And then at the, at the end of the year, new year starts and he just goes dark, like disappears, still works at the company and then stops sending us all backend data. And, um, <laughs> so wild and, and it keeps us on. So, so wait, so I just, just to be clear, he basically became mad at you went from one extreme of micromanaging to the other extreme of, of ignoring you. <laughs> completely, completely ignoring us, oh but managing the account. Like basically just like co-managing in silence. So without <laughs> communicating, you would just like go in and like pause ads and stuff. <laughs> you know, it was, it's so crazy. And then like he might send us a message or a thing from time to time that says like uh, an email saying like, oh, FYI, pause this did this and then to make matters even worse uh, wait, wait, be, before yeah. that one comment i've known a lot of people that go really dark when they're embarrassed or humiliated by something so it could be that he was just so embarrassed by his own fuck up that i uh, that, that he like really he just couldn't face you again yeah and and so the, the hard part about this is that he's my one of my business partner's friends Right. And, and so my, my business partner asked him, you know, can we go to lunch, man? Like what's going on? And, and just won't talk to him. Like, and I think that is part of it. Like he's ashamed, embarrassed, but he also, um, I just, I don't know, to be honest, I don't know what's going through his head because it's just such a wild situation. We'll, we'll psychoanalyze him when, at, at the end of the story, but I'm excited yeah. to know what happens next. I'm at the edge of my couch here. Yeah, I'm almost, I'm almost there. I promise to the end, to the end of the story. I love it. But um, so the next step was, um, spend started being brought down significantly because of the terrible performance, and we basically couldn't manage the account anymore. And then, um, 
they're, they're in our contract, there's basically a legal precedent where if a client starts managing campaigns inside of our account, we bill on total ad spend. So it, it became clear that this client wanted to start, wanted to get out of their contract. And so what they started doing, what he started doing was building his own campaigns in Google and then started sending me emails saying, hey, don't bill me for these campaigns and then shutting off the digital position run campaigns as, as a way to circumvent the contract and basically try not to get billed for uh, their own management of PPC. Right. So, so even though the, in the contract, you should have been billed for all the, all the campaigns in the, in the account, including ones he created, he was trying to use social pressure to say, wait, these ones I created from scratch, nothing to do with you. So excluded as, 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 as another way to try to fire you. Yep. And then we found out that an MCC was created, which means that a separate Google ads account was created. Ooh, yeah. Yep. And, and basically as a way to fire us instead of just firing us, which, you know, we do month to month contracts. And if, and if this person had come to me and been like, look, this just isn't working out. Let's talk about an exit plan. I would have been super open about it, right? But there's no communication and just like Good all- how we wanted it. <laughs> it yeah, and it, all like micromanagement. So to, to treat us like this was like unbelievable despite our, our, our legitimate best efforts by so many people in our company right. to try and make this work right. and drive them the best performance possible. And so what ended up happening is, you know, I sent a huge like email out to- that person and the leadership saying, look, you know, it, it appears that client, you no longer value digital position and completely understand. We think that there have been some huge issues with the relationship, how things have unfolded over the last year and kind of itemized those a little bit of like, because I want to like everyone to know like what happened and and then said, "Hey, you know, we've decided we had to make some. We have to make some changes to the working relationship going forward." And so we kicked him out of our Slack, and we um, we didn't allow them to circumvent by building their own campaigns, and we just held to our contract. And then we gave them our termination, basically, and said, "Like these are the termination details," and then silence, and. That's it. <laughs> like relationships ending. <laughs> like did, wow. did they silence? Did they end up like paying the final invoices, or did they go completely dark? They did pay. Yep. Did I've pay. had clients that I've had to sue for significant sums of money, but you know, luckily, this client actually did pay. So. Um, the, one of the things we moved to as an agency, which is a huge tip for any agency owner out there, is auto billing. <laughs> you know, like I, I was talking to an agency owner who wasn't getting paid for like 60, 90 days. If you give an inch, they will take a mile. So we only offer auto ACH or auto credit card. And we auto, we initiate the payments for every client. And it's like we start at net 15. And then if they negotiate to net 30, it's still a win. And we guarantee our cash flow because it's initiated by us. And that was one of the best decisions I've made is like not doing like net 30 or net 60 on check initiated by them because they'll always, 
always, we had over 50% of our clients paying late until we changed that. And now that now nobody does. So that was a huge move for us. So I think that's why they paid it because we could literally draft it. <laughs> by, by the way, on that, we'll, we'll dive into psychoanalysis in a second. Mm-hmm. I love that tip. I've never done that. What at, a few years ago, I had a problem with similarly uh, people not paying people are assholes. But what I did is I, I added a provision to the contract with a 5% monthly fee. And guess what? Every a monthly fee, if it's like more than net 30, everyone started paying net 30. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we did up the fee too from like one one and a half percent to 5% exactly. doing the same thing. Exactly, and, exactly. So so financial incentives work some of that. Okay, so yeah. before we go and try to understand this guy and what happened from... Uh, um, from, from his perspective and what you learned. Is there an addendum to the story? Like, did your business partner ever have lunch with him two years later and like and get 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 the backstory or apologize or just like did did this end the relationship? Haven't they haven't talked since? Yeah, it's just so sense. yeah, and it's and it's we've reached out being like, hey, look, can we just like you want we don't want to like burn the bridge. <laughs> we had to do what was best for the business because of what was going on. But like, this is like one of the most crazy things that, and uh, no, nothing, nothing happened, but I I did want to bring up the morality around, you know, is it okay? Is a question for you. Is it okay for someone in our position to even think about the fact that you got that person the job, right? Like uh, it's like that shouldn't, the moral side of me says, it's that shouldn't even be part of this. This is, he just, just that person's just a client, whatever. And then the other part of me says, "We got you the job. Like, how could you do this to us? We got you that job. Like, we literally like rescued you from what, what you were crying to us. You know, like of how upset you were with your job, and we, you know, and uh, and then treated us like this. And you know, I kind of had the same sort of feeling when I like during I've, I've started to donate a lot more to local things, and I donated to like my local gym a bunch of money during COVID to help them stay afloat. And then they turned around and like canceled open gym and, and basically like raised prices and then made it like, so that I, I was like one of the four people who used open gym all the time. I just work out on my own. And then they like just canceled, like they basically restricted everything that I do. <laughs> and it's hard for It's hard as somebody who donated not to be like, not to think about that. Right. But the moral side says, that's not what you did it for. Right. So I don't know. That's that's kind of like want to get your thoughts on like the morality of that. Well, I have a few things to say. The very first thing that comes to mind when you say that is I remember the line from a King Lear about like how sharper than a serpent's tooth is a thankless child, and like I always like I always remember that like like you we do things we don't need to. You donate money to the gym just because you you like them and you support them. You get people jobs and like you treat people with respect and help people. And then the, and then the thankless child is like, is like so thankless and so ungrateful. This hurts more than the serpent's tooth. Like it hurts more than the, more than the physical injury uh, because it's this emotional pain and this, this, the the thanklessness is, um, is difficult. The Shakespeare guy, he was smart. He had a good line about everything. I think he's going to be big one day. Um, so what's powerful about that is 
I think far too many human beings are thankless, or we, we could say it differently. Here's a reframing of that point. As soon as money is involved, even at $1, rational, logical, good people become a little bit crazy. And <laughs> like, like money fucks things up, even, like even tiny, 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 tiny amounts. So, um, so I think like what's, what's happened to Jim is like, they're freaking out in COVID and, and they, 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 and they, they don't know what to do. They're going crazy. Oh no, we're losing money. So instead of going to their loyalists and asking what they can do and helping craft, craft, a craft a wood room plan, they're like, Oh my God, raise prices. And it's not that dissimilar, I think to what, to what happened to this guy. He's like, he like got a job and he really needs it. And you need that, you need that monthly paycheck. And then suddenly, and he's under pressure for performance and, and like, like him thanking you, like, is the, is the, is the, is the, is the, is the furthest thing from his mind. And it's mm. bad of him. So, so on the one hand, I blame him. On the other hand, human nature is such so that, so that most human beings in my cynical attitude are uh, are this sort of thank, thank, thankless child type. So, mm. so what I, one of the things I personally try to do is I look for clues to try to identify who like, who's more likely to be the thankless child and who's more likely to be the thankful child. Mm. Um, so I think an, an interesting question about him that we probably don't have time to discuss uh, today, but in general would, would be what, like, what would be the clues about him? that that he that he that he that he would be this that, that that he would be the thankless child with the serpent's tooth type and, yeah. and I, in fact in fact i think part of the growing up maturity aging ex experience is the euphemism for uh for aging is identifying these sorts of clues for like for who to help and who and 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 who and who to not you want to help you want to help the people who will be thankful and 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 we have to uh, over time figure out the clues. Okay, these types of people are more likely to be thankful. Like they're 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 less likely to be thankful. Yeah, and it, well, it's really interesting because it's not even at least for me, it's not like uh, when when we got him the job that I I personally cared that he turned around and gave us roses and said like thank you so much. Right? It was just that like it's hard for me to, it, it becomes harder to swallow being mistreated by somebody that you gave the job to than versus somebody that you didn't give the job to, if that makes sense. So it's oh, like, yes, by the way, there's another line of Shakespeare that ties in too. Sorry. I'm in the mood. The, the the, I think it's, sign, it's either sign 94, 95, 96, I forget which one, where he goes, lilies that fester smell far worse than weeds in other words a good flower that that became bad smells much much worse than the weed which was always bad yeah so so something good that turns bad hurts you more than than, than, than something something you always expect he's a criminal whatever he's robbing people that's what criminals do but your best friend turns into a criminal that hurts even more Way because more. Wait, yeah that's a good point like he's I just remember this, the last line, I've read, I, it's 94, 95, 96, lilies that fester smell far worse than weeds. And that's, the, 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 that, that, that's, that's exactly, um, exactly that point. Maybe the answer is Shakespeare just has the answer to all our problems. Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, the, the thing is, is it, is it moral or immoral 
for for me to care more about the smell of the lilies versus the weeds basically or should i just be like i planted the willies and the weeds are there and like i've I mean, I, not let it bother I, me, right? It's like that's. I think that's the hard. I part. think it comes down to the fact that your DNA is human DNA. Like, I think there's this objective world where, like, you where one should judge this evil is the same. Like, it's a weed is a weed. Like, it smells bad, and that's yeah. how you, that's how you should look at it. But our human soul doesn't judge people that way. Like, even if the weed and the festered lily smell just as bad. Because because of the path dependence that it used to smell so good, you get angrier and unhappier. Even if the, even if the end result is the same, like this is this is this is your human heart. And I would say the fact that you're even worrying about that or or, or it hurts you so much shows that you do have a heart and that that, that you do care. You're you're not uh, you're not one of the um, serpent reptilian overlords. <laughs> yeah, and you definitely don't you don't give to get right. Like you don't. It's, it's not why you did it. I think there's just like an, uh, just a good feeling of, of helping people, right? Like it has nothing to do with expecting anything in return. And so when you do feel slighted because of what you gave, it almost feels like you're, like you had some expectation when you gave and that's what makes it feel weird. But yeah, I, I get what you mean to, to your point. It's like you, the, that's just human, right? <laughs> like, uh, to feel that exactly. way but yeah so that was a uh, so so i so so you mean a couple a couple of other ob- observations on, on on this on the situation i think part of the power of this story is is the is this really shows how traumatic and damaging total communication breakdown like the communication breakdown is worse is worse than the ppc problems um so so like even even if someone is a good or a bad ppc if you're doing this he's doing that communicating like over communicating under communities that it's just it's it's really hard to do to do uh to do anything well so i think one interesting lesson is okay before working with someone let's figure out their communication style because that mad like like if they have a healthy communication style that that massively reduces a lot a lot of risks um, risks in, in in this universe. Yeah, and I think what what had happened is that, um, you know, he communication isn't just about the the amount of communication, right? Like you can talk at each other all day long. It's like the it's the um, the the meaning behind that communication. And I even say that yes. like. A, in, in, in my marriage and in, in like any relationship, I, I've yet to find like really a problem that doesn't fall within like trust, communication, or an ability to compromise. And like, I use those three words because they all, they relate to almost anything. If, you know, there's a, a you know, I don't know, trust, communication, and compromising. And so communication is like that ability to talk about the problems openly, right? Like, a trust is i mean it's self-explanatory being able to trust that person that their their heart's in the right place or whatever and then an ability to compromise is like the humbleness side of that which is like the ability to give up control and give up that maybe you don't know all the answers and compromise with whatever person is on the opposite side of that relationship and so i just think with with him it was like the communication was an unhealthy communication as it was 
and there was no compromising and no trust, right? Like, uh, so that, that relationship just, you know, imploded. Um, all, all that makes sense. I hadn't thought about those, uh, uh, those three criteria, but I like it. And I often make a comparison between dating and working together. In fact, in fact, the name, the name of my book is, uh, is, beloved by clients and it's about making clients fall in love with working with you and throughout throughout the entire book it's using the dating sort of metaphors as client relations client management relationships or uh, uh, sort, sort of techniques so uh so so yeah so i i, I, I like that by that any any other um any other step back lessons um or uh, or um or actually uh, here, here here's a good question what are things that knowing knowing now what you know that you should have known then? Um, what are things and being older, wiser, more sophisticated? What are things that you should have done differently? Or let's say when you've seen similar situations in, with clients since then, where where, where 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 you've acted differently? Yeah, I think there's been so many changes from what we've done as a result of that experience. That I, when I reflect on that experience. I almost, almost every experience I can say, like, I, I could have done more to try and make that relationship work in this specific experience. I don't think that was the case. I just think that like, that was a losing relationship and we knew it three months into working with that person, probably even earlier when those other red flags started to come out, as you mentioned. And so I think that some of the big lessons we learned was you can't be afraid to walk away from big clients. And when, when we decided to walk away, it was like everybody had this big sigh of relief. Everybody was so much more positive. Everyone felt like an aggressiveness and a fire under the butts to grow the business to, to make up for that revenue. We grew. It didn't matter to us. Ended up not mattering at all. It ended up being like this big team bonding experience. I just wish I did it sooner. Like I just wish that I didn't drag it off for you know almost a year of of hell. Right. And I, I wish I just like cut it when I knew it was bad. Right. That was, that was lesson number one. On, on, on that, I agree hundred percent. A way I have to make that point is anything I do, whether it's company I invested in a new project of mine, someone I hire a new client, I, my favorite outcome is always, uh, is always um, quick success. And my second favorite outcome almost as good as quick success is quick failure and then third favorite outcome is like a little bit of success so you so you can keep you can keep on growing but but i i always find it useful to think about quick failure being almost as good as quick success because if it's quick failure you're like dude this isn't working end it now before it gets bad you can you you, you can move on so uh, so i i'm actually always looking for the quick failures yeah i think that's i i, I say that fail fast and cheap right and and in that in that lesson we failed slow, but we that client paid us a lot of money. So I think that was why it was hard to hard totally hard to to be willing to walk away, right? And uh, and you know it, it's also different from an ownership perspective because you're like okay, you know, from every from every angle, I always want to protect every one of my teammates. I never want to have to lay anybody off. I always want to have like everyone super protected. So before we walked away we wanted like an assurance that nobody would be affected. 
right? And so that's that's just the you kind of had like we went through that hell per se as a way of protecting our, our staff, you know. But it was in the same vein. I I still wish I just walked away and took the risk because I have no doubt that that my team, which is I believe second and none, would have rose to that occasion, and they've risen to every occasion prior to that. So it's uh yeah, it's, okay. that was a big lesson learned for sure. That's one lesson. Next lesson. Next, I think next next lesson is to never choose uh, money over happiness. <laughs> for, for me personally, just as like a human being, like I wasn't sleeping well when this was going on. I was super stressed you know, and I was working tons of extra hours trying to appease this client and inevitably time with my family suffered time for my activities suffered. I lost weight. Like it was just a, like, it it like affects you, not just like mentally, but physically. Um, when you have somebody that's like this, a much of a burden on you. And so I think that you know, choosing to like, I think you've actually mentioned to me, and this is something that I really respect about you is that like, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, what the hell are you doing? Totally. Right. And I hated totally. it. I hated talking to that person. I hated working with that client. They were terrible. What am I doing? You know, and that's too short. Yeah, exactly. So that, that was a lesson. number. So two. <laughs> can I share some lessons that, that your story is reinforcing for me? Mm-hmm. So so here, so here, uh, so I'd add to your list. Lesson number three is never let them micromanage. That like, as soon as they start micromanaging, push back from the the first bit because micromanaging it's oh it's a, when they come into micromanage when it's when there's a bigger problem that they actually don't trust you. So mm-hmm. um, and then coming in micromanaging only makes things worse every single time. So when they try to micromanage, you have to resist it. But simultaneously, try to like, focus on digging and say, okay, like, what's the bigger problem? So, like, that could have been a moment where you're like, actually, the problem is unsolvable. So, so that, 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 could, uh, that could have been a, 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 sign, a sign to step down. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I a, think that, that's a good point. So, yeah, so never, never let them, uh, uh, never let them micromanage. And actually, related to that, or is like another way of making that same point is, as soon as the, the micromanagement demands start piling up, like it never lessens. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, give an inch and they take a mile. Like there, there's a reason why these old, why these old cliches are still, are still remembered today. That, um, so I think, I think that, that is, um, that's, that's definitely, uh, definitely one, one lesson. Another lesson is what we, what we said in the beginning that people who are in disastrous situations, sometimes it's just, People who are competent and good happen to be in a bad in a bad moment, but much more likely uh, and much more common is um, is hmm, like there's there there's a reason why uh, why he's uh, he's doing so terribly at, at, at what he's doing because he just doesn't understand something about working or professionality or life or life or um, or, or or relationships. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if I can think of, of any of any of any other lessons. Do, do you have any any other lessons while I, re- yeah. while I replay this, this story yeah, in think, my head? I think you did two there. So this would be lesson number five, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. The lesson number five would be, um, 
much better vetting and identification of red yes. flags up yes, front. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. So that's that's a uh, we we instead of just vetting clients for potential in their business, you know, we spent a lot more time now interviewing them as people. And it's like I've seen time and time again that these like subpar businesses end up exploding because it's like such an amazing relationship that they do everything we need. It's a great collaborative relationship and they end up doing amazing versus like some amazing, awesome business model with just this terrible person to work with. And it's like, you just doesn't matter how great the product is if you just can't work with the person. And so I think putting, it used to be like 80% their business focus and 20% their product, uh, their them as people. And now it's, we just completely flip-flopped. It's like all about what kind of people are you? Because that's what we, those are, we want to identify the people we want to work with. Not necessarily just. By the, by the way, I love that's a good one. My personal process is 99% people yeah. and 1% everything else. <laughs> that's a good point. So, yeah. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. It, it, yes. Like all my interviews, but I, I have a famous or infamous interview style where I can never talk about the substance of whatever I'm interviewing for. It's always to try to like dig into, uh, dig into what, what kind of person, uh, what, what kind of, what a kind of person they are. Another here, here are two other possible lessons. Another lesson have principles and stick to them. And when I say principles, I don't even mean like on the moral level, it's like, this is how we do AdWords accounts, period, no matter what. You wanna scale tomorrow from 70 to 400? Nope, we just like, we just scale slowly. Nope, we can't take your account unless we have data. Like, because if we don't have the data, we actually can't do it. Like say, we need A, B, C, D. You don't give me A, B, C, D, like go, go, go somewhere else. Be, uh, because I think like when this, this reminds your, your great story reminds us that by that, had you insisted on these, these things that you really, really needed, then, then so many of these problems would have been, would have been avoided. Like maybe they would have never become a client because, because they, they wouldn't give you data access. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I think that's, and not only, not only is that like from a principal level, extremely important but it also makes your business extremely efficient if you can stick to your process. Cause we started doing like going back to manual bidding and way outside of our process. And, and that was like so inefficient and wildly ridiculous. That's such a good point. That's such, I, I really like that, that um, yeah, that, that it makes you, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll say it differently. Like are you in the business of being the expert or being a robot? And, and like you, you're hired because you're the expert that knows how to do this. So, and you're hired to solve the problem, like grow the campaign. But as soon as they start treating you like a robot, you're like, you're no longer the expert. And, and, and the expert says, no, this is how we do it. This is our expert process that we've developed and that works. You want to do it differently, go find another expert. So, um, so I think sticking to your guns for the principles of your expert process is, um, is, is, is a fantastic lesson. Here's, 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 here's another lesson, scale relationships and, and for like employees, clients, everyone like, Hey, huge client, let's start tomorrow. Massive budget, massive things. Like what, what if, what if you say first three months, we'll do, we'll do a trial 90 days of what's it like working, uh, of what it's like working together. Like any company, no matter how big their budget, like they can always start slow. There's always some way. It will only manage 
this part of the account or in this sort of way. And like, like, like a, a 90 day test period goes, goes a long way towards, towards revealing what, um, uh, uh, what, what, what they, what they are, uh, what they're, what they are to like, like to work with or not. And what type of fit it is essentially. Right? And, what type of fit it is. Yeah. And, and you have to find in what our, our ideal client might not be everybody else's ideal client too. So of it's course. like, that's so incredibly difficult to find the exact client that suits your process and your personalities and that fit together. It's like a, you know, if you have two alphas leading a team as partners, they're just going to be constantly butting heads. Right. So it's like, totally. that's what happens in, in almost any relationship. So yeah, it's, it's a, that's a good point. Interesting about a trial trial period. I think another one, or I guess if you wanted to expand on that before I move to a life lesson, like number 10 or whatever. <laughs> no, I, 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 th- I thought of one, one, one more as, as, as wanted to move to, but, um, but I have to put in my contracts, like, a. Uh, like, like, like here's a monthly fee for 90 days. And then, and then in 90 days, let's have a serious conversation. So, um, so like rather than negotiating upfront, I negotiate just enough to do, uh, to the 90 days and then for that. And then it's, and then that's a mutual test of, um, of, of what it's like for both of us to work together. Yeah. 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 That's, that's interesting. All right. I hope I gave you some value. You, you can implement some of these ideas. Yeah, um, I absolutely will. <laughs> so you, you, you're, you're about to suggest another one and I have one more and then we can wrap up. All right. Uh, yeah, so life lesson number nine, <laughs> whatever it is, whatever number we're on, uh, is um, we've talked about this at nauseum uh, in the Slack chat, but how relationships are more important than results. And I think l- reflecting back, you know, from the moment, he came into that company. It was all like budgets and like, we want to change this and we want to change your manual CPC bidding. And we want to like, you know, do this, you know, do this, the account and what changes the account. And, and I think that, you know, turning that around and getting to know him more as a person and being like, Hey, you know, like, what are you doing this weekend? I, I hear you're into mountain biking, you know, like, like what, what, you know, what type of bike do you have? Like, and like, just getting to know, that person more, not only him, but the leadership of the company, such that we felt really comfortable with everybody so that if we needed to go past him, we could have in a more comfortable way. But just, you know, nobody wants to fire a friend, basically. And I think that if we had tried to become more of his friend, um, you know, although my business partner was already sort of his friend, uh, you know, but if maybe if we had started the relationship more instead of just trying to like blow up everything so fast and more on the personal level, I wonder if there, that trust would have been, you know, different. I mean, I doubt it, but you know what I mean? So I have two more 10 and 11 and then, uh, and then, and then we'll end it. And mm-hmm. lesson 10 building on that. I actually thought you're going to take that last point in a slightly different direction, which is the risk of the gatekeeper. Like when the whole relationship with a big client is through one person, like what happens if you get in a fight with that one person? People fight. Like like human relationships are 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 hard. So so he basically will like so when there's one person managing a relationship on their side, it's always a bottom. Like you're dependent not on the success or failure of your actual work, but the success or failure of that relationship. So one way to minimize that risk is is, is to build up relationships with the other people, like the people behind him. And uh, so, so that you're not, you're not fully dependent 
only um only only on that one person and mm-hmm. and the person's bosses and this it's such a common scenario where you're assigned someone to work with you just work with the project manager and then you know you you meet the big client the ceo at the first meeting you know at the sales pitch and then you work with the work with the lower level guys it's like it makes sense you can just keep the bigger ceo or the person behind him like in the loop on monthly emails and like or you, you could build into your contract a quarterly meeting with the leadership or a quarterly report for the leadership. And you can do things like that, that give you formal structured ways to, in, in order to basically mandate that you keep some sort of relationship with, uh, with, 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 with the people behind, behind the gatekeeper. So yeah. um, I like, yeah, that's, I like the term gatekeeper too, because that's exactly sort of what it came into. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Actually, I hadn't I hadn't thought about this as an explicit clear principle until I just until I just said it. But I think so. I've kind of done some of that subconsciously, but I think now I'm going to start doing that 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 a bit more consciously. Like I might write it into my contracts. You should too. Mm-hmm. And then the final one, just so we get to eleven, because eleven is a special number, is much much smaller. Because most of these ideas, most of the lessons are like really big ones that we shared. This one, I want to go back to something you mentioned in the story that is really minor, but I want to call it out because it's tiny, but important, which is when he came into your Slack and demanded response times of, uh, of, of, of under an hour and, yeah. um, and so on, that people demanding really, really quick response times is like a massively huge red, like red, red flag. And yeah. uh, like, like anyone is like, is like, can you just now? Can you just now? Can you do this now? It's always like, who the hell do you think you are? Like, 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 yeah. like, or like, like, are you my boss? Like, when, when, when people come super insistent on rap and expecting me or anyone I work with to be at their computers responding quickly, like I come down so hard. I'm pushing that back from the from the first one. Like often, in fact. <laughs> Today, someone I work with was being like that, so I purposely haven't haven't responded to a, to an email until tomorrow. I'm trying to train them. Sometimes you need to train people. Yeah, uh, for sure. In a, 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 a um, yeah, so uh, yeah, so so people trying to mandate fast fat, fast response times, uh, I come down hard on. I like I love I love the fact that you said. In fact, we were talking the other day about. Uh, about the digital wizardry webpage, I think you should put thirty-five minute average email response time, huge letters on the front of the of the digital wizardry webpage because that's an incredible statistic. I don't know any PPC firm that 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 is a number like that. So this is this is a tangent, not another piece of advice. But um, uh, but the importance there is the fast response has to come because that's what the person you hire wants to do. They're that excited. They're into the client relationship. They like responding to us. They want to be on top of it. It's like, if it's coming from the other side, that's the, that's the massive red flag. And I think the question from the client's eyes is what can the client do? How can they communicate and talk and, and structure things so that the, so that the, so that the people on the other side want to respond quickly to them. Yeah, and and just to relate it to back to any relationship, it's like a needy girlfriend that needs a <laughs> new needy boyfriend or girlfriend. I'll say <laughs> that's like <laughs> all over you. It's like the, the all you want to do is like push them away, right? It's like get out of here, you know. Like, but you know, you got to have balance and and 
and clear expectations of that relationship. And, you know, that's why you do a, a weekly call or a monthly call that you can sync up about everything and then minimize the communication between them so that you could focus on the account. And yeah, I definitely agree that like the, you know, the, we did push back pretty hard, but you know, uh, didn't work in that circumstance. Uh, but you know, we should have just been like, all right, then it's not for us. Right. Uh, in hindsight. Okay. This was a great story. I love it. I love the lesson, 11 lessons. I, I even got some, uh, some, some ideas from, uh, for, for myself. This, this was fun. Uh, thank you for your time, uh, Roger. And I'm sure, I'm sure we will uh, talk very soon. And everyone watching who made it to the end, I hope you found it as exciting as we did. <laughs> Thanks, Morgan. Okay. Bye.